Today we're in week three of our series, Passing It On. And we've been looking at how Elijah passed the mantle of ministry on to Elisha after spending several years of mentoring him. And as we look at the lessons of Elisha and his ministry, we see things that we can use in our own lives. So in a way, Elisha is passing on some truths to us as well. We can't be there in person to have him mentor us, separated by all these centuries, obviously. But the word of God can give us some things that we need in our lives uh, as we see how he followed God and did the things that God showed him to do. Part of what Elisha learned from Elijah was how to see things. As he spent time with him before Elijah was taken up to heaven, um, Elisha could see how to have a view of what God was doing through him. He had a view of abundance of what God could do. Today we're in 2 Kings chapter 4. If you want to take your Bibles out and turn there, 2 Kings chapter 4. It's the story, uh, if your Bible is NIV, it says the widow's olive oil at the top of that passage. And that's what we're going to be reading and looking at today. So 2 Kings 4, starting with verse 1. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, uh, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. So let's just pray about this scripture that God would show us what he has for us today. Lord God, we thank you for this account of this woman and how Elisha ministered to her and how he increased her faith to receive that miracle. Lord God, I pray today that you would increase our faith. Lord, give us open hearts to hear what you have to say from your word and apply it to our lives, Lord, that we would be people of faith in Jesus' name. Amen. So Elisha, it tells us, had this company of prophets, probably those people in all those communities. There were a group of them that uh, regularly met with him. And this, from this company of prophets, one of them had passed away. And this woman that comes to him was a wife of one of those prophets. These prophets apparently worked with him. He was their leader. So Elisha knew this man. But just in case he forgot who this man was and all the things about this man's life, the woman wanted to remind him that this man, her husband who had passed away, was a man who revered God. And so, unfortunately, sometime before his death, this prophet had gotten into debt. And at the time of his death, all those debts would have become due. And this man, unfortunately, had left no inheritance, no provision for his family. His wife had no money at all to satisfy this debt. 
So the creditor decided, well, I'll take those two boys and I'll have them work for me. So the man's sons were taken as slaves to pay off that debt, meaning they got no money for what they did. They weren't employees. They were actually forced into slavery. And uh, this was a common practice at the time. It was called debt slavery. We read about that in other passages in the New Testament, uh, where the wife or the children would be taken as slaves, uh, indentured servants almost, I mean, like where they had to work until that debt was satisfied. So this poor woman was about to not only lose, she had lost her husband, she was about to lose her two sons. So she panics, she runs and finds Elisha, and she says, help, please, I'm, they're going to take my sons. Well, Elisha asks, how can I help? And this was a question that she needed to hear. Because just like us, when we see people in need, what we need to say is, how can we help? We need to ask that question, not like us deciding what to do for them, but us finding out what they need. How can I help you? Now, when I'm working in the kitchen, and I'm having a bunch of people over, and people come in, the best question they can ask me is, how can I help? Yeah, not, get out of the way, let me do that. That might not be what I think I need help with. So what this prophet does, what Elisha does, is he starts the conversation with her by saying, how can I help? I, see, I hear the need, what can I do? And then he asks her, what do you have? Rather than start with what we lack, we need to start with what we have. And she says, nothing, I've got nothing. She says, there's nothing in my house. Oh, except a little oil. So what this clearly shows us about the woman is she has a poverty mentality. So what is a poverty mentality? What do you know about that? Feel like you're broken, you have nothing. Feel like it's never going to end. Feel like you're poor. Feel inadequate, yeah. A poverty mentality is that any money I have should not be spent because I don't have more. Opportunities are limited. Any risk at all is dangerous. And any success that I might have would only be temporary and I'm not going to have more. Uh, generally, staying in the back of the pack is the best place to be. In short, poverty mentality limits you. You are speaking and thinking lack over yourself by what you say. Here's some common statements of people with poverty mentality. I work so hard and I still can't make ends meet. I'll never be able to afford to go on vacation. Well, I'll take what I can get for a job even though I deserve a better one. You don't understand what it's like to struggle. It's the story of my life. See, this woman had a desperate need, but when Elijah asked her what she had, her first response was to say, I have nothing. I have nothing at all. She even regarded what she did have, that little bit of oil, as insignificant. People who have lived in poverty while growing up are more likely to have this type of thinking as adults. And they see their poverty as ongoing 
and unchangeable. Besides the problem of physical lack that people can have of a poverty mindset, we can also have a spiritual poverty mindset where we think that God did not give us any gifts and that when we need something, God won't answer. So we give up and we never try to do what we are called to and we speak this over ourselves. We don't have what we need. And the opposite of this, what God wants us to have, we're going to see today, is the abundance mentality. An abundance mentality is one that assures you that you are successful and will continue to be successful. You have value and talents. You can handle the situations that come your way most of the time and mostly successfully. And when you don't, you can bounce back right away. Spiritual abundance would be seeing that God has given you all you need to live your life following him, that he's given you more than enough, that you have the talents and the abilities, and that when you pray and ask him for things, he will answer. Like Pastor Steve said, not always, just that second, but he will answer in some way. He hears you. He cares about you. He loves you. Have a spiritual abundance mentality. So this family that Elisha is talking to, the wife, the widow, was living in poverty. All they saw was that little container of oil, and to them, that was insignificant. But Elisha didn't see the poverty. He saw the possibility in God. When we focus on things that we want and don't have, it can look pretty bleak at that moment. And we can focus on our lack and what we don't have instead of focusing on God and, and what we do have. Even if you might think it's a little thing, if we ask God about it, he might not see it that way. So what has God given you? Just think about that a minute. What has God given you? Nothing except a little oil? The widow thought this was almost not worth mentioning. Just a little bit of oil, what, what could that do? Well, when we give what we have, what we think of as little can become much in God's hands. So what do you have that you think is insignificant? What talents? What abilities? What do you have? Pray and give it to God and let him add his supernatural power to it, to what you have, and he can bless you and then he can bless others through you. Elisha tells the widow in verse 3, okay, God can work with that. Just a little bit of oil, God can work with that. Go to your neighbors, ask for the empty jars, and not just a few, get everything you can. So he was expanding her vision of what could be and what would happen to get every jar you can find, every size, every type, go to all your neighbors. So this, this woman and her sons are going all over, getting every jar they can find. And then he says, when you've gotten all you can find, go into your house and shut the door behind you. So why should she shut the door? So there's no unbelief. Yeah. If this woman had a poverty mentality, she didn't need any doubters to stop by while she was filling those jars. <laughs> and no distractions to take her focus away from what God had told her to do. 
She needed to be with others of faith who believed that God was about to answer their problem. In Matthew 13, 58, it says, and he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. And this is about Jesus in his hometown. And these people had a lack of faith because they didn't believe he was the son of God. That's just Jesus. He, uh, we saw him growing up. It limited the miracles. And so had this widow not closed the door and some curious person came by to see what was going on uh, with the jar that she had borrowed from them, that person might not have believed that the oil could multiply. That person might not have believed that the widow was the right person to do this. Why was she doing it? Why wasn't Elisha doing it? I mean, it would have shut down what God was doing because the widow would not have been able to receive that miracle because of their lack of faith. Sometimes people can think less of you too, and they can think, you're not able to do that. God, God called you that? I just don't see it. Well, <laughs> you're just the brother. You're just the sister. You're just the neighbor. How could you be used of God to pray for my healing? Or have a word of God from me, for me? Or how could God multiply your resources and provide for your needs? I just, I just don't see it. Sometimes people can get in the way, if you let them, of what God's trying to do in your life. The Hebrew word for shut up here, to shut yourself up in your house, is the same word that was used in Joshua 6.1 when the city of Jericho is shut up, tightly shut. And what that meant was nothing in and nothing out and shut off from the influences of the world around and sometimes if we want to see a miracle in our life, we have to shut ourselves in our prayer room and pray and ask God for the answer. And then when we're reassured by the Holy Spirit, we see God's provision and God's protection and God's grace for us. Elisha said, okay, shut the door and fill all the jars and then put each one aside as it's filled. So the woman went and she did everything she was instructed to do. And then she and her sons did what Elisha had asked. So why do you think it was important that the sons be with her too? Why wouldn't it just be her? Elisha said, you and your sons go do this. Why was that important? It's generational. Generational? Persons are witnessing, seeing it happen, building their faith. Building their faith because they saw it happen. Yes. They helped her. Right? It tells that she'd fill the jars and they'd put them aside and bring a new one to her. They helped her. And they also had that spirit of lack on them, not just the mom. The boys did too. And the poverty mentality, and they also needed to be set free of that. So as the woman filled the jars, her faith increased. And to, she could see that not only had this jar been filled, but she could believe that the other jars would be filled as well. And so it increased her faith along with the faith of her sons. This miracle was for them, but it was also for their freedom. Freedom spiritually and freedom from the creditors. The whole family needed to see the oil being poured out. She had lost her husband. They had lost their father. They all faced the debt, and they probably had lost their hope, lost their trust. And this miracle that they were watching God do in their home 
would put their eyes back on God, their focus back on his abundance rather than on their lack. Now that little jar of oil, I don't know how big it was, but if you ever go grocery shopping, you see there's all different sizes. I have a feeling it was just a very small one, just a little cruise of oil. And um, the jar didn't get bigger. To fill them all, man, that would have had to be a really big jar. That's not what happened. It just kept pouring as the woman and her sons had the faith to see it keep filling the jars. And each time they filled one and put it to the side, the miracle became more clear that God was providing everything they needed, all the oil they needed, and all the jars were filled. But the widow had to first take that step and begin to pour out what she had into that other jar. That's when it started. She couldn't hold back. She had to be willing to pour that out for it to be multiplied. And that's the same with us when we're giving of ourselves. We need to be willing to be poured out for Jesus Christ, to, for him to use us to, to see how he uses us to bless others and to be used of him. Verse 6 tells us that the jars were full. And when you look at that Hebrew word full, it means abundant. So it was abundant. There was abundance happening here as each of the jars, which most of them were probably way bigger than this little tiny jar she had. She's filling up big jars, you know? And as it's full to the top, it's abundantly full. There was abundance of oil in all the jars. God didn't just give a little bit in each jar. Each jar was full. It was more than enough. If there were more jars to be found, it says she got all she could find. If she had found more, the oil would have kept pouring. God is not limited. He has unlimited abundance. In Ephesians 3.20, remember, it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask. He's got more oil than you need. All more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. God can do exceedingly above anything we ask or imagine. So how much can you imagine? It's more than that. How much can you ask for? It's more than that, too. It's exceedingly above that. So that's what the widow found when she participated in this miracle. There was this answer to her need, and she saw God provide. Whatever anointing has been poured out on you, and we each have been called to something, whatever the anointing is that's been poured out on you, God can multiply that when we are willing to be poured out for his glory. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians 2.17, But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering, on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. He saw the benefit of himself being poured out for God on all that was happening in that church in Philippi. And if we can see the benefit of God using us to pour us out onto whatever he's called us to, we can see the miraculous answer of God's abundance working through us. Elisha no doubt knew about the miracle in 1 Kings 17 when when he was with Elijah, I'm sure he heard about other things that had happened. And 1 Kings 17, verse 15 and 16 says, She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. 
for the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. So Elisha probably knew about this too. This is amazing. These two miracles have some similarities, don't they? Uh, what would Elisha tell us about dealing with lack if we were to sit down and talk to him? And, and how do we, instead of having a spiritual or actual poverty mentality, how do we have an abundance mentality in our relationship with God? The first thing is we have to start with what we have. Don't focus on what you don't have. Focus on what you do have. Because anytime we focus on lack and wishing we had some more, what we're doing there is we're opening the door to the devil to influence our thinking, influence our relationship with God. We're allowing him to come in and wreak havoc in our lives. Our minds need to be focused on God, not on what we can't do. Not on like, well, you can, but I can't. But focus on what God will do through us. We have to focus on what we... We, we have to start with what we have and focus on God and don't compare ourselves to others. Look to God for what he's going to do through you. Where are you? What do you have? And move forward from there into God's plan. The second thing for abundance mentality is we need to give lordship of what we have to the Lord, to God. Give lordship of what you have to God. Because if I'm hanging on tightly to what I have and I don't want to lose any of it, God's not going to be able to work in my life. That's not abundance mentality. Abundance mentality is God gave me this and he can give me more. Little becomes much when you place it in the master's hand. Do you ever hear that song? It's an old one. I know that probably dates me and, <laughs> and how old I am. But our little becomes much when you place it in the master's hands. Have you heard that a long time ago? Those of you who are over 40. <laughs> And, and God's, why that's true is that God said in Luke 137, for with God, nothing is impossible. So when you give the little you have to him, he adds his infinite, all-powerful, all-sufficiency to it, and things begin to happen. Don't hold back, but be willing to allow God to touch your situation, to touch your illness, to touch your relationships, and don't hold back from him. Give whatever is your little cruise of oil, whatever that is, whatever that represents in your life, and give your heart fully to him. The third thing we want to do for abundance mentality is expect a miracle. In Numbers 23:19, it says, God's not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? And he's asking this rhetorically, like, of course he wouldn't lie. Of course he wouldn't promise and not fulfill. And that's telling us that if God said it, he will do it. We need to listen to what Jesus is telling us and surrender ourselves to his lordship. And in the end, we need to expect the miracle. Expect God to be true to his word. Don't allow someone to steal your faith. Instead, focus on God's word to you. The lies of the enemy are going to come and try and take you out. They're going to try and immobilize you. They're going to try to incapacitate you if you receive those lies. But listen, the enemy is a liar. I need to make that really clear. He's a liar. 
Anytime something comes against you and attacks your worth of who you are, attacks your value, attacks you in the not being able to trust God with something, that is not God. That is the enemy. John 8, 44, Jesus is talking and he says that the devil was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. We don't want to listen to those lies of the enemy. When, when you have a thought like that, when, when you realize, wait a minute, I'm, I'm in spiritual poverty mentality, then you just need to say, God, I break agreement with that mentality. I surrender it to the blood of the cross. Lord Jesus, cleanse that out of my mind and fill my mind with your thoughts and your promises in Jesus' name. You want to put the cross of Jesus between that attack, the blood of Jesus between that attack and you, and pray and receive what God has. Start expecting God's abundance when you're living for him and not listening to the lies of the devil. Now, do you notice I said when you're living for him, if you are living a sinful life, you can't expect the promises to work that way because there's another verse that says we reap what we sow. And so if you're sowing evil, if you're sowing sinfulness, if you're sowing unrighteousness, you're going to reap back from that and you're going to reap back more. The Bible says that we reap ruin from that. But when we follow Jesus Christ, when we commit our lives to him, when we're living our life to honor and glorify him, we can expect God's abundance in our life. So for abundance mentality, we need to um, start with what we have. We need to start with what we have and don't look at it as little and unuseful or insignificant. Start with what you have. Give lordship of what you have to Jesus Christ and expect miracles. Would you stand with me? I'm going to ask Pastor Steve to come up and, and help me here. Um, I want to pray over you. I'm going to take my little jar of oil. It will not run dry. And we're going we're gonna to pray over you, anoint you with oil. If you, uh, before we get going on this part though, if you realize that you've been listening to the lies of the enemy and you need to ask God to give you an abundance mentality, in a little bit, I'm going to have you come up here and we're going to anoint you with oil and pray over you. In, it, it says that in God's word that his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Now, now what, what does that mean you don't have? Everything you need, his divine power has given you when you follow him everything you need and and if you are struggling with an area you need to give that over to him and ask him to lord help me to see what i do have i give you lordship over this and lord i expect the miracle of you answering my need because his word says everything i need so how many of you would say uh, just bow your heads for a second here uh, how many of you would say, you know what, I need to have that abundance mentality. I, I know I don't. I've been seeing what I don't have instead of what God's given me. Just raise your hand. Okay. I would like to encourage you at this point to come up, and we're going to anoint you with oil and pray over you for God to just touch your heart and mind 
and help you receive what he has for you today. Just come now if you would like to be prayed for. Well, Lord, we just thank you for what you've done here today. Father, we thank you that uh, there, your word says that you can do exceedingly abundantly all we ask or think, and that you've given us everything for life and godliness. And so, Father, we claim that for us, that we would have a spiritual abundance mentality, that we would see the abundance that you have for us. One of your names, El Shaddai, means the God of more than enough. And so, Father, that we wouldn't worry and fret, that we could trust you, Lord God, and know that what we have in you, it will be enough. But that there's more even than what we need. That as long as we keep following you and trusting you, Lord, you provide for us in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you, Father, for what you're going to do this week. Father, help us also be aware of the needs of others around us. Help us, Lord, to see where we can speak a word of life and blessing over people. And Lord, we pray that we wouldn't listen to any of the lies of the enemy, that we'd hear your word and, and see you working in our lives and trust you in Jesus' name. Amen.